Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Make Mind Media, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner. This is the audio edition of the program. If you like this show, leave let us let us know. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, before we get started, i got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. It's been a while since we've done these audio editions, so without further ado, i got to thank Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Phoenician, Jurgen, Kale, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, and Catherine. Thank you guys for your support of all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as Voices from the Area, Gargoyles Podcast. Shows such as Spectacular Radio and Clone Saga Chronicles. Shows such as Amazing Spider-Man Classics, Savvy Sema Era Podcast, and upcoming soon, more Patreon-exclusive content. Books of X will be a Patreon-first show. We've got some exclusive stuff, exclusive reviews over on Patreon.com slash Network as well. With a uh, coming soon will be a live commentary that is going to be exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. So if you like that type of stuff, let us know. So without further ado, I got to uh, give our usual disclaimer. These shows are usually live streamed on YouTube, youtube.com slash Radio Network. And as a result, there's going to be some live comments and or visual aids that are going to be referenced on the show. So if you pay that no mind, uh, or you want to, you can always go watch the YouTube feed. It is available in the same episode as the show is being posted. So if you go to spidey-dude.com, you click on the episode, it's going to be in the show notes of the episode. So if you want to check out the video version, it's always in the uh, down below the description. So without further ado, let's get started here on Make My Mayday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com and executive producer of the Spidey-Dude Radio Network. As always, before we get started, uh, this show is obviously live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and so we might have some references to some visual aids in our live comments. We highly encourage you to come find us on uh, YouTube.com slash Spidey-Dude Radio Network. You can also uh, support the show. We want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash radio. Uh, we want to thank Vinkman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, and Kale. Thank you guys for your support at patreon.com. Uh, they get some, some extra goodies and some uh, extra benefits of being a part of the Patreon. And we really, really appreciate their support. We've got some more stuff coming very, very soon. Of course, I don't do the show alone. I have my co-host, the host of the show, uh, Kelly McDaniel. Hello, Kelly. Hello. Kelly is on, for those that are watching on YouTube, it says Kelly on mobile. So Yeah, yeah. We're on my mobile phone, so great picture. Um, sound is a little wonky, but we'll we'll deal with it today. So we got some comments already. It's Vinkman says, well, hello there. Speaking of Vinkman, I want to thank him here off the top for getting me the uh, seventh issue of Amazing Spider-Girl. So really appreciate that, Vinkman. Uh, I really am thankful. He's also one of our biggest supporters on the Patreon. So thank you, Vinkman, for your support of the show. Uh, always appreciate it. So, yeah, um, this episode, we are covering Fantastic Five, the 2007 miniseries, as the giant glare happens if you're watching me on YouTube. I have the trade paperback. Kelly was reading the uh, individual issues. You can find it on Marvel Unlimited, right, Kelly? Exactly. You can find everything but the last half of J2 in terms of MC2 on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Uh, and as we always say, whenever that comes up, justice for justice J2. J2. Hashtag. Um, Hashtag justice for J2. No one knows what we're talking about, but, you know, those were the 
better issues. And actually, I believe we've got the artist Gorgie too on this run of Fantastic Five. Yes, yes, we do. And yeah. The uh, now you can also, f if you're looking for it, like uh, there's going to be two Fantastic Five series. Uh, there's the first series. I've got the uh, Digest. Uh, there was five issues long uh, that came out in the second year of MC2. We covered that several mm -hmm. episodes. Oh, way, wait, uh, what? Way back, yeah. It was like episode like 15, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so when you're looking for this one, you want to look for 2007, not 1999. Exactly. Uh, you can definitely read the 99 uh, books. Read both. Like, but... I mean, both puts you at like 10 issues each. So... Yeah, but there's a lot of story in between the other two in, in the original run of Spider Girl. This is kind of our first chance of saying hi to them, um, because we haven't seen. We'll see uh, Franklin in the next episode in our run of Spider Girl. Mm -hmm. but we really needed to get to this first so we understood what was going on. Yeah, uh, this is a very seismic moment for the team um we kind of talked about there wasn't a lot of like game-changing moments uh for the most part and and kelly corrected me when i said that last episode because uh obviously there's a lot of game-changing moments in the final doom there's, yeah there's there's a lot of we'll talk about it and that's kind of we're gonna kind of mix things up a little bit today we're gonna go through our breakdowns um, and then talk about the series overall. And the reason I say this is because every single issue kind of keeps touching on the same theme mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And I think hopefully people will pick it up as we do the breakdowns, but we'll I feel like it's going to go into a larger discussion. And I just don't want us to be saying the same thing every yeah. single time. Um, so obviously we might touch on like do a quick little break and just talk about something quirky or funny. Cause like, you know, in our first issue, um, you know, the final doom, like talk about the title, the final, final doom, mm -hmm. uh, knowing doom and especially this doom, uh, you know, I totally feel like he's singing the final, like when he says the final doom, it's like he's singing the final countdown just so he can have his horn solo later. So. I've got some. Say about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, so like clearly we'll touch base on these fun things, but I want to really talk about the nitty gritty that is the story, and and it also it's a theme that we touched on last episode with yeah. the Lady Hawks as well. So yeah. I think it's an over because then you know our next episode with Mayday is also going to feature some sacrifices may has to make or choices may has to make that are hard. So we'll definitely kind of, like I said, touch base on those, but before we get ahead of ourselves, mm -hmm. I have came in. Do what? So the fun coast came in. <laughs> yeah. You want to see where mine's at? Um, as yeah. I was, Apparently, recording a voice text to somebody. <laughs> Oops. Uh, I just realized my box was damaged. Can I fight them on that? But also, like, I don't care at this point. My my dad got my my Spider Girl Funko. Um, 
his exact quote to me was missing something with rolling on the floor emojis. Because uh, he thought it was something of his and he didn't pay attention. So he just opened it up. <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, um, they knew what they were doing. Because, you know, I was going to compare them between the international version and their supposed U.S. version that took a whole year. And so instead of sending me another one, even though I only ordered one, I get Lil Miss uh, April. She's showing it to the camera for those that are on the audio edition. Cruel, cruel joke. Cruel <laughs> joke. So... <laughs> they straight up trolled Kelly after all the stu- all the fuss that she made. They're like, "We'll show her. We'll send her the chase." I I like I know that that's I know that sounds nuts, but at the same time, like I did literally email every single board of director for the company that owns Pop in the Box. <laughs> the only time remember the first email we got about the delay. Oh my it god! Came out Twenty-four hours after I sent those emails, and finally got a decent answer back. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, I, the, I, this this has been a crucible. It has been. I've never seen the amount of issues with a a Funko. And nothing. There's no difference. There is no single difference from the international version, other than this holographic sticker. A year, over a year. Yeah. For this. So we will definitely compare. Um, when, will, when we can, yeah, I'll take photo. Like, if you want to take photos of yours, I'll take photos of the one that I, the quote unquote international version, and we'll compare them. Um, I will say that this chase looks like it has a slightly better paint job, mm-hmm. uh, or cleaner paint job, because I know with my the international version, I had some eye bleed around the lenses. But, you know, it is what it is. And, it, you know, it. we got them. It's over. It, um, it's finally over. Um, the, saga, the saga is over. We don't have to ever deal with them ever again. Um, I do not believe after this that they will... Uh, engage in more mc2 at pop in the box i think mayhem got them excited and so they did this but this was clearly not right this Um, did not at all well it was was bad mark it was really really misleading marketing mm -hmm. because if they had just said that you know they were selling it along with international sellers and you know had admitted to a sticker delay we would have been fine. Um, or if that, like, like I said, off offline before we started, mm-hmm. if it is a clean paint job, like cleaner paint job than the international version, all they had to say at some point was, Hey, this didn't meet our quality. So we asked for a second run. That's all they had to say. Yeah. No, Instead I- of acting as if uh, we're all liars and we're like, Hey, there's this international version. It's all over eBay for like half the price you're asking for right now. Like, don't yeah. sit there and go, oh, y'all are lying, uh, and then cancel people's orders? Yeah, it was just a really, it, the whole thing, I mean, we've, we've talked about it ad nauseum um, as we've been trying to keep you guys updated. Because, I mean, we were telling people, go buy this, go support this, go support the company, go support Spider-Girl. Yeah. Um, 
the fact that it took a year, it took way too long, way yeah. too long. And, um, and there was no transparency, no communication. No. Um, so, I mean, I, I said it before, from the bottom of my heart, I am very sorry about saying, hey, yeah, go buy this. Um, it was just, I wanted us to support Spider-Girl. I wanted us to show that, you know, Spider-Girl was still a viable brand for Marvel. Um, but the thing is, I think Marvel knows that. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think Pop in the Box being uh, crazy, like made any difference to that. They know that we'll buy it. I mean, my goodness, they made, she was one of their first NFTs. Also, I think that was a, was who was that drawn by the NFT? Ron Lamb? Again? I, thought <laughs> I, know, it, I it think could, it was. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Because it wasn't, it was like something that was original, at least. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, we we don't have to buy from shady uh, Funko Pop dealers. Um, I guess is the moral of the story. Uh, always research uh, before you promote, and that is a lesson I will take with me. I will not just blindly. Uh, go into everything because Mayday is on it. I should have learned that lesson in Spider-Verse and I didn't, apparently. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, um... Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, you're uh, ADHD. My ADHD. Sorry, I am on the, uh, I'm on the Wayback Machine to the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay, because, yeah, because we're talking about... We're, Going on to history about the Fantastic Five Volume Two before yeah. we fully start. Mm -hmm. So this uh, was released right after um, uh, this. the 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 cover dates um, it was uh, twice a month for the month of September cover dates, a month of October, and then obviously the fifth issue was, you know, in November. Uh, so this was kind of similar in release of how the, f the, uh, the most recent miniseries were, this was the third in the post relaunch era, or, you know, right. era, you know, or the first right. one, first one of the pre post pre launch era. I'm sorry, but the third one in, since they started doing this concerted push, starting with issue 85, you know, you had it last year of standing, last night of standing, then you had this. And it, it you know, it, it did it did okay. Um, I think everybody was, you know, kind of excited because it's, it seemed like every single summer for the last couple of years, there was, you know, something to be excited about. And, uh, you know, definitely at this point, the, the engagement wasn't, was still pretty strong on the Spider-Girl message board. But it was not nearly as much as it was like in the 2006 era. Um, and you can definitely look, when you're looking at the Wayback Machine, you can definitely look in like 04, 05, and 06. That's when they had a lot of like captures. And I, because, I mean, there was a lot of activity at the time on the message boards. Um, so uh, there was, at this point, you know, we're going to be covering the issues that were coming out concurrently. Um, next episode, obviously, the, the that's going to be something we'll talk about. Uh, I do want to note that at this point, uh, Volume 8 of the Digest was about to, uh, or had already come out at this point, so the Digest was still going strong. So there was still strong demand from the Scholastic side of things to um, 
to continue publishing MC2. And so I think we were kind of in a pretty good space. Um, I think the only one left, and Kelly, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, after this is the American Dream miniseries. That's an ex- mm-hmm. like MC2 yes. miniseries. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the next miniseries after this one is American Dream. Um, I did not check the my list of every MC2 uh, appearance mm-hmm. ever that I had made, uh, what, forever ago now. Uh, so I didn't check that, the order, uh, but I do believe the, the next kind of like break we get from just nonstop Amazing Spider-Girl, mm-hmm. that is not a title. No one use that Marvel, please. Dear God, no. Um, <laughs> oh. But... But um, I like it. It is all amazing, Spider Girl. Um, until like I think a little bit of ways before the last like major storyline, mm-hmm. and the break's gonna be um, uh, American Dream for a little bit. I think that that's. I can't remember if that's four or five issues. To be honest, I've only like I haven't picked it up in years. So kind of like this, I haven't. I didn't really pick this up. <clears throat> You know, for a few years, I kind of skipped rereading it. Um, and I really wish I hadn't. But I kind of understand why I forgot some of the things I forgot or like mixed up. I'll put it that way. Because um, like I said, it's over and over and over again. It's like the same. It, it hits. Th- there's layers where you see these characters hit the same kind of story. Mm-hmm of what makes a hero a hero and the sacrifices heroes make. And so, when you're reading it is in, in such a condensed format as we do, when we go back and reread these. And I, I it's interesting because I hadn't like you, I had not picked this up. It's been on my shelf for, I don't know how long. And I just picked it up and I, you know, to get ready for this episode. And I'm like, I hadn't read this in a long time. Uh, so it's, it's almost like I, it's familiar, but it was like fresh eyes to me. Uh, yeah. definitely, American Dream is going to be one of those that I have not read straight up. Oh, wow. So I have not read that many. Um, looking forward to it. Don't get I, me wrong. Our, so I know that I have in our like episode list, although it's way down there, is I did want to do a like the, Ameri- the America Corps run <laughs> with Roger Stern. Yeah. Because uh shannon's in it yeah shannon Shannon. so did you read that as well i read the first issue okay but i have not read anything beyond the first issue okay it was one of those i don't know what happened i didn't it didn't get put in my box when i was getting it at the time and so i just forgot about it and yeah so i i um I vaguely remember that too. See, these are the things where it's like, cause it's not my favorite issues. Cause I think we can kind of tell like, if it's my favorite story, you know, I, I know that story in and out back, you know, sideways. Like I can tell you every little detail in the background of every picture, but like on certain stories, like I just skip over. Cause it's like, yeah, it's great. I remember what happens, but then you don't reread it for a few years. And like I said, then when you have to pick it up for stuff like this, where we're having to break it down, you you start seeing things that you forgot or you did or you missed. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, the whole Lady Hawk thing. 
I had completely missed that, you know, whole orgy. Yeah, you missed the whole issue. <laughs> I missed the whole issue. Like, uh, I'm like, oh, and you were like, like, how do you not know this? And I'm like, well, it's because I never had the issue. And I didn't, it was one of those things I didn't realize I didn't have it is the funny part. And so for me, it's been really, it's, it's really cool. It's why I love doing this show so much is that it's really cool for me to go in and like read these books. Cause I know with certain writers and Roger Stern's up there with them, DeFalco and, and Roger Stern and, DeFalco was very sweet. He shared my uh, my very emotional Facebook post uh, about uh, the end of CSC. But Aww. yeah, he he shared it on his page. I accidentally tagged him. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's no three a.m. email. Listen, I, I'm not sending him a three a.m. email asking if if this photo of this random stranger is actually the, a photo of Nitko. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't do that to the poor. We're, we're also we're joking with love. We're joking with love. It's all love, buddy. Yeah. Um, that's still one of my f- like if 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 I'm if I come back on a on an episode like as a live caller for the live caller, that's one of those I have to bring up. Uh, of some of my one of my favorite stories is is Brad because we were on a Skype chat at the time. That was the funniest part. He's like, yeah. I, I found. I think I found a, a, a photo of Steve Ditko. Like it was like the Loch Ness monster. And uh, yeah, it was pretty hysterical. It was like, it was literally 3 a.m. at that point. But no, um, getting back to what I was saying, like it's, there's certain creators that I just know when I read them that I'm going to have a certain level of quality. Guys like DeMatteis, guys like Stern, guys like DeFalco, you know what you're getting. And, and look, uh, for me, even well, you know, I know what I'm going to get with a dance lot story. Am I going to like it? Mm, it's a 50 50 shot. Zeb Wells, same way right now. I am liking his run. I'm not in love with his run. Like some others like 900 was a disappointment. Um, it was good, but it, was, it was, could have been so much better. So, you know, there's certain creators. I just know what I'm going to get into. So like when I'm reading these books, by DeFalco, I know what to expect from the Tom DeFalco story. And I know I'm going to get a level of quality as my action figures just attacked Waylon because he, t- <laughs> he tapped myself with his tail. Uh, uh, so sorry about that noise. Um, you know, I just know what I'm going to get. And so g- coming back to this, this team is one of my all-time favorite teams. DeFalco and Lim, I've always had a fondness for when they've worked together. So um, when I open the book, I'm like, oh, this is this is Ron Lim's artwork. Oh, I was very, I was very pleased. So with that, um, well, we want to start the breakdown. Yes, but I do also, you know, there's a different look to this mm-hmm. because of the penciler, uh, Scott Koblish. Uh, I, I say Koblish, but somebody. Koblish. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and the colors, which I've got to like pull f- uh, from Rob Rowe. Like, yeah, this, you know, this isn't a. This looks a little bit different. It's a little bit more bombastic, a little bit more stylized, very 2007. <laughs> 
Um, but it works. It really, really works here. Um, I like the little changes that we get to everybody's uh, style, mm-hmm. which kind of shows a little bit of time has passed as well for them. And so it's like I said, it to me, I really like the look of this comic book, but it felt so even though, you know, we've seen we've seen the artist and the inker do mm-hmm. other things with MC2. These just felt it felt different. It felt really different. It felt like an event. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, to me, it's definitely an event miniseries. It was planned as a miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, yeah, like looking at the, I think this was like every two weeks. Yes, it was every two yeah. weeks. Yeah. And that had been kind of the schedule that they had they had ran with on both this. And well, Avengers Next, yeah. Event this Avengers Next and um, Last Planet Standing were yes, yeah. weekly. Now Last Hero Standing though that was weekly. That was a weekly yeah. book um, that came out during the month of June when there was five weeks, five Wednesdays. So not unlike uh, this past June. So um, yeah, so they they kind of every time they did it they made a big deal. This is this is also unique in that it's <clears throat> the, one of the. F- first times and it may have been the only time uh that they had a cover artist um which was very much in something that was in is still in vogue now but it really wasn't something you saw with mc2 books and that was uh clayton henry so uh if you're reading the trade like i am it's actually the the cover of it is the covered issue one and then the back cover is the covered issue two so yeah um definitely uh the outside cover good good artwork um but it's definitely uh, it's definitely different than the uh, artwork you get on the inside and like i say this is a just a such a great team uh of of the falco and ron lim and 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 koblish who did a great job with pat's pencils on last hero standing Uh and i you know what i just remembered avengers next also had a cover artist in mike ringo yes yeah uh, so it's not something that we saw very often. Um, so it's definitely makes it a lot more special. So with that, I'll do the, be doing the rundown of issues one and two, and then Kelly's going to do the last three issues and then we'll give her overall thoughts. Like she mentioned earlier. So, uh, let me get my notes up. All right. So, uh, this was cover dated to September of 07. This was released August 11th of 2007. Our issue begins uh, of the book with a big splash page of the newest MCU star, Prince Namor the first swimming determined to reach a destination. Uh, we've not seen him in a while. And we learned that 12 years ago, a great war ravaged Atlantis and caused massive destruction. Many of his people were killed and he still mourns this loss. Uh, we learned that the Mariana trench is not one of the deepest parts of the ocean. That it's actually the great Atlantis trench. It's far deeper. So he still goes down, down, down for a dozen years. He's Namor has made this trek for supplies and frankly, for his revenge. So just as he gets uh, to to his destination, he realizes suddenly that it's not going to be this time. You see, the man whom he was keeping captive has escaped. Of course, his escape was inevitable. For the captain was the man known and feared around the world as Dr. Doom. 
Then cut to Fantastic Five headquarters, and Reed is working on Ben's bio armor. Reed is making some adjustments and gets super sensitive when John walks in and possibly contaminates the room. Reed hey, thinks, it, "Hey, it's a medical like yeah. area. Makes sense. It it, it 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 does make sense." And John just you know walks in and moseys in. I'm trying not to call him Johnny because he's known as John here. Um, nice, Reed, Johnny. It's Johnny. All right, so <laughs> I'm taking it more serious than Kelly is. <laughs> uh, Reed, uh, of course, the re- the reason that Re- Reed is working on the bio armor is that he thinks that the nano pieces that he put in the bio armor are finally working, making it work as intended, and he's finally beginning to heal up. And because he's beginning to heal up, he won't need this armor anymore, and therefore he can start becoming. Ben, possibly become Ben Grimm again. John storms out the room. Sorry. You misspelled it too. I just want you to know that. You yes. I was, I was typing this very fast. <laughs> so John storms out the room when Susan, of course, stops, her, stops uh, him in her typical way using a force field. He then, uh, uh, of course, he lets him know, look, I was the leader of the Fantastic Five. I just wish that Reed would stop treating me like I'm still a kid. And he kind of uh, then, he, of course, he goes out and talks to his wife, Lija, who uh, strangely isn't mentioned in the top box as Mrs. Fantastic about. He talks to her about maybe forming a new team uh, that since Reed's return, it's been kind of hard for them to be two leaders. And she's kind of expected this talk because, of course, it's kind of hard for a team to have two alphas and two people that are leaders outside. We see the silhouette of a woman who is nervous about walking in. She decides that it's now or never, and she needs to do it. She arrives to be greeted by the person at the reception desk as Mrs. Grimm. But actually, no, it's not Miss Grimm anymore. It's actually Miss Shannon Ventura. Sharon. Sharon. Did I say Shannon? Shannon. I did that earlier, too. Um, Shannon's on our brain. Yes. American Dream is awesome. Exactly. So Sharon Ventura, she's now going by back to her, I guess, maiden name. And she wants to see her children now and talk to her ex-husband. Uh, we cut then to that Latveria where we see doom arrive on a mountain and, um, use a big rock to open this, you know, base. And uh, when the doom bots are about to mobilize, he mutters the word Valeria and they all kneel before doom. He then requests to be, that his uh, rags to be destroyed and that he be properly suited up upon doing so. He begins his study of the fantastic five. Meanwhile, back at headquarters, Ben is trying to reason with with Sharon about the kids. And meanwhile, uh, as this is going on, Franklin is trying to train them with Christoph Torres. The kids, of course, being kids and being careless, uh, you know, inadvertently hitting each other. And eventually Franklin gets frustrated because he's trying to get them to work as a team. And he puts a stop to it, saying that they need to learn to work together as a team if they want to eventually become a part of the F5. And that's when Sharon walks in and the kids, uh, of course, you know, the kids are excited to see her. And, okay. and do I, do we need, cause it's Alice and Jake, Alice and Jake calling them kids. So I yeah. just want to make sure that it's clear. Yeah. The twins are named Alice and Jake. But yeah, that she's there to get the twins, Alice and Jake. And, and Alice is really super excited to see her. She calls her pumpkin and which kind of embarrasses her a little bit, but you know, 
Um, Ben internally is conflicted about the situation because he knows that the kids are going to be in danger by staying here, but he's also really concerned about Jacob because Jacob obviously has inherited his dad's uh, hardened exterior. And so he understands, you know, what's going on. This is definitely an inner, inner conflict between with Ben and the situation. So, we learn that Doom has a device that he used in the past to gain the power cosmic, and he's going to use it again to rule the world. Lijah and John are talking while Susan uh, is Susan's trying to talk to Reed and who is being Reed and is into his science. He's worried about she is worried about Johnny and she's also worried about Ben. And so as this is happening, Ben is out and about and he's trying to clear his head. He's worried about Jake that he is a monster like him and that how can he sit there and, you know, be excited about being turned into Ben Grimm when his son can't become human. Like he can't he potentially can. And just as he's starting to think that he's attacked, doom has arrived. Ben, of course, being Ben, he's going to fight him and says it's clobbering time. Only this time, doom completely outclasses him and uses his powers to, create a sphere of metal using the bio armor uh, to create this sphere and try to kill Ben by throwing him into the central park lake and suffocating him of oxygen. Doom tells the readers to prepare themselves. Well, actually he's telling Reed this outer monologuing for Reed Richards is about to get the final doom. Dun, dun, dun. I'm not going to click the button. I'm going to be nice. I mean, you can honestly for this, just click the button. All right there you go <laughs> uh, so uh before you go on to two i yeah. do want to mention since we won't talk about it doing all of it one we got the third mention in the mc2 about islands of adventure just throwing that out there because mm -hmm. it it exists in that universe apparently universal studios orlando is there and apparent uh, because this is also the Actually, this I believe this is every single time it's been mentioned, the Fantastic Five have been around. And twice exactly by one of their members. I wonder if they have a licensing deal with Universal. Well, they did. They did at the time. Um, I mean, and it, it's still there. So the agreement, theme park, facts with Kelly. Uh, so the agreement is anything on the east of the Mississippi, uh, Universal has theme park access to and as long as it's kept maintained, they're allowed to have it. Um, if you've ever been to Superhero Island at Islands of Adventure, uh, there is the Hulk roller coaster, Doom's Fearfall, which is actually awesome and never has a line. And I don't understand why. I mean, it's it's a carnival ride. It's just one of those shoot up and downs, but it's beautifully themed. Obviously, Spider-Man. There's the uh, Fantastic Four Cafe. Uh, there's like little a cup ride with Storm. Um, you have like three X-Men face characters. This is my thing. There is no Fantastic Four characters. And the amount of times that like, I feel like the Fantastic Four has been mentioned and there's like a cafe with really crappy pizza. Um, I mean, it is. It's crappy pizza. It's, it's a theme park. Although it's apparently gotten better. I don't know. I can't have it anymore. It was really bad back then. Um, but, I'm yeah, so, a trip. Huh? Like, 
we've talked about making an Orlando trip. I, I'm going to have to go to the Islands of Adventure, and we're just going to have to. I'm going to have to like get you and Bertoni and and the gang, and we're going to just have to get get. Yeah, we're going to go and experience it. Yeah, because Bertoni goes more than me. Well, Bertoni has season passes because of well, his. He's in Tampa. Well, he's in Florida. He's in Florida, but you know, it's a business expense write off for him because it's because of his working with kids. Yeah. So he, he has he has like season passes at Disney and at uh, Universal. So I'm insanely jealous of him for those things. Yeah, but, but that's his job. Like, yeah, it's his job. It's just Disney World is meh right now. Anyway, I just wanted to mention though that you know, yes, first, first you know what the last time we saw Sue, she mentioned it, which is like the second time. No. That was the first time. And then somewhere in between that and the end, we got another reference. It's the third reference. And um, makes me think that uh, DeFalco went to, to the Islands of Adventure and had a really good time. Well, there was. So I think that there was a mention too of like a planet Hollywood esque like Marvel cafe. Mm. And Spider Girl was intended or thought of as a character. <laughs> I, you know what? Yes. I- they. I, I think Ron's posted about it. Yeah. Uh, well, cause I know he, he had like a breakdown of like coloring and stuff. And I think it was for the suit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I know he had mentioned something about like maybe doing, I guess they were thinking about putting whatever didn't happen at the, that cafe over at studios, hmm. but it never happened. So. Things that we need to uh, ask. Answered, because I want to know if there's a prototype of that suit and where I can find it. (laughs) This is you in the dress all over again. (laughs) I feel like there's a better chance of me finding a prototype if it was ever made of the Spider Girl suit than um, that dress. Like uh, Mary Jane's wedding dress is gone. (laughs) Although I still think I still think it's some, some someone from Marvel has it. I swear to you. Someone from that time has it somewhere. I don't believe that it fully got stolen. I, I, we got to get like Jim Shooter. Like, you know, like, like we got to ask Shooter. We're very ADHD today, but that's fine. I, I, that, important. We're having important discussions about random things. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't take my meds today. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but mentioning, uh, yeah, go ahead and you want to finish your notes on, on this one and then I'll, I'll get into my, yeah, no, that was like the main notes, unless you really want to bring up the, uh, your head cannon. <laughs> the second issue. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll bring the head cannon up at the end. Let's just do that. I'll, okay, I'll... We'll bring it up at the end. So let's go ahead and go to ish, issue two. I just knew like, there's no place in like the overall story that mm-hmm. I have to bring up the, the fact that we have an unofficial count of every time we see Islands of Adventure. It's true. It's true. We we pay attention to these things, guys. Oh. Uh, I, I know. I know, Ron. You're if you're not watching us live, you're 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 gonna listen to the playback. So yeah. Um, it it's is a very important counter. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you to all those that watch us on the uh, on the various platforms we're posting on uh it, so we'll go to fantastic five number two same art team uh, came out two weeks later on the uh 25th of august covered still same cover date 
of September of 2007. All right. It, issue two ups the ante with a two page opening splash page. Reed and Sue are being attacked by Doom, picking up moments after the events of last issue. Reed and Sue try to take on Doom with Reed deducing, rightfully, I might add, that he has regained the power cosmic. And Franklin, of course, comes and joins the fight, but Doom dispatches him, stating that eyes even though he has grown he is still a child alice and jacob rush to the scene with sharon and we cut to ben who is trying to fight like hell to get out of his cocoon made by his own armor uh he just can't quit because grim's never been a quitter after a flashback to the yancey Yance street gang's initiation of ben we go back to fantastic five headquarters where christoph arrives and this does not make doom happy he calls him a traitor which is, you know, something that Doom does not not approve of. He, you know, Reed attacks and tries to take Doom out when Jacob then tries to join the fray and smash him in the face. But this does not phase Doom, and he is thrown in the next county. Actually, it's not the next county. It's more like three blocks, but next county sounded better. Uh, Alice sees this and attacks uh, Doom in anger, and Doom dispatches with her quickly, saying that she thinks that she's killed her brother, but no, he has not killed her brother. He wants he wants to see, he wants everyone to witness you know, his victory, so why would he kill people? Eh, it's Doom. He's very uh, egotistical in that regard. Three blocks north, John and Elijah are, Johnny and Elijah are talking to Taurus and thinking about forming their own team, but Taurus, of course, is not having it. He's like, this is the world's, what part of the world's greatest super team do you not understand? We cut to the Central Park. Uh, they don't even know their own son. <laughs> he really does. Like, this is a kid that's like, I have been wanting to be part of the world's greatest super team my entire life, and you're like, wanting to make your own? Come on, Dad. Like, really? Anyway, back at the Central Park lane in the cocoon, we have Ben, who is... Um, you know, still trying to punch his way out of out of the cocoon. We get a bit of a flashback to the origins of the Fantastic Four and how they were created. Ben is still not giving up. And then we cut to the Fantastic Five headquarters. Doom is still being doomed. When Johnny finally shows up and uh, reads ordering Johnny, which kind of throws Johnny off that he needs to um, get help and warn the warn the world that Doom's got the power cosmic. So then uh, Johnny takes off. This, of course, makes Doom uh, go chase him in in earnest. And uh, Reed was like, "I did that on purpose." So, um, you know, Alice is kind of shocked that Johnny was that Johnny left, but that's because Reed's like, "No, this is part of my plan." So, Doom, of course, can, uh, gets chase, and we finally, finally, in this issue, get the flashback as to what happened and what caused Ben to gain the bio armor. They were fighting Terax, um, and uh, Terax was looking to win when suddenly uh, Reed gets his black hole gun and uh, fires upon him. And just as it, he it uh, he's firing upon Terax, Terax tries to grab Ben. Uh, ben then, of course, is seriously hurt. And uh, we see for the first time the bio armor and that Reed explains that his injuries were so extensive and the damage so massive that he had no choice. The bio armor was your only hope, uh, thinking that it may heal over time, but it could take years. So that explains why Ben has been wearing this armor all this time. So I believe we did get a, 
we got a mention some- like i don't think we ever got a flashback i well i don't think we got the flashback this in depth i do believe though that there were flashbacks to certain parts mm-hmm. maybe i'll double check but like this has been referenced before yeah um so like we kind of knew what was going on um i do want to mention we also get a bunch of flashbacks of like as ben is trying to get out of this thing Mm -hmm. we do get flashbacks of kind of why he doesn't give up and the things with his life and kind of see his his perspective yes yes the origins of his powers to begin with and his grit um and i do think that that's very nice in this issue. I think it's nice overall, mm-hmm. yeah, especially for newer readers who maybe don't know everything about the Fantastic Four. Yes, this is very new reader friendly. If you're not a, if you're like me and was only reading like Spider Man, you only you knew enough about the Fantastic Four to get yourself in trouble. Uh, this was definitely very much welcomed. Um, so Reed is trying to um, get a particular weapon when doom shows up and says this is the last thing you'll do and uh, doom puts him in a, into a ball and holds him in the palm of his hand and finally he gets certain defeat victory is his and he's laughing maniacally uh meanwhile ben finally has escaped his uh what would have been his his coffin but uh he then climbs his way out of the out of the out of the lake grabs a tree and creates a, a bit of a cane and uh, it's clobbering time. The issue ends on a big giant splash page of Ben uh, sans armor, but looks pretty serious. Looks pretty, pretty uh, beat up to me. Uh, it's clobbering time, which takes us to issue three. Yes. Kelly. All right. So uh, I'm ready to go for the breakdown unless you have something you want to mention that you think well, we can fly. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'll talk that later. Okay, cool. All right. So issue number three, cover date, October, 2007 on sale, August 8th, 2007. So we're coming right up on the anniversary of it. What is that? 15 years. Yeah. Almost exactly. Uh, I'm old. We're old. What happened? All we right. So old. Yeah. All right. So obviously, uh, writer Tom DeFalco, penciler Ron Lem, ink Scott Koblish, and color Rob Rowe. Obviously, our editor is the great Molly Laser. And there is no title to these, it's just part three. So, in Midtown Manhattan, as a work crew is shutting down for the day, the ever loving thing asks if he can use the cement mixer so he can patch himself up a bit and get ready to save the day from Dr. Doom. Meanwhile, Dr. Doom holds Reed in a literal ball as he admires, then destroys the aramins slash tools the Fantastic Five have in their headquarters. He holds Johnny on in a cube-like prison and has frozen Kristoff in a subservient bow. Doom gloats about thinking that Ben is dead and dismisses Alice, Franklin, Sue, Susan, and everyone else calling them lesser allies, which seems really overconfident, but all right. We check in with our lesser allies, and Susan, who is convinced her Jake has died from Doom's blast, very similar to her own daughter, uh, you know, kind of thinking that, tries to get her daughter to go with her to safety, but Alice wants to stay and fight. Thankfully, Lyja and Taurus meet up with them, 
with Jake that they went to go save, much to Susan's ecstatic relief, and Jake stands with Alice on still wanting to stay and save the world. Susan realizes she can't really argue with superheroes, and this includes her own children. In what Doom calls the armory, he continues to gloat and belittle Reed while he destroys everything. Basically, Doom talks so much that he distracts himself, giving the thing a perfect opportunity to come in and punch Doom in the face. As Doom and Ben square off, Doom decides that he and the thing uh, has to be at their prime for their fight, and using the powers cosmic, cures him using his mind blast. They fight, and Doom explains to Ben how obviously he needs to rule the world because zealots, and I literally wrote pot meets kettle here, I think, uh, are threatening innocence, wars, genocide, ignorance, poverty, and hunger. You know, that's happened in his absence, and he can fix it. Okay. Uh, Ben isn't really here for that and punches Doom through a few walls. Ben's cure falls away and he realizes he hit Doom a lot harder than he thought, or so he thinks. This also frees Reed, Johnny, and Kristoff, and while they, they know it won't last, they get ready, and a giant Doom shows up and grabs Ben with one hand, as Doom, with his powers cosmic, is virtually invincible. Wow invincible this is going to be a hard fight huh johnny and Kristoff fight back making doom drop ben and reed cushions his fall and whisks him away to safety doom makes quick work of johnny and uses Kristoff's powers against him whisking him away in a power tornado blasting into the hangar bay looking for reed and ben calling out that it might be a trap Lyja and the kids are ready to fight and Doom announces he's not afraid of anything. Sue hits him with an invisible batting ram of sorts, pushing Doom into position so Reed can hit him with a stasis ray. While the fantastic family stands together, they hear a clapping behind them and find out that the Doom they caught is really a cosmic-powered robot, as Doom knew no human could hold the power cosmic. Yeah, this is going to be a long fight. Turns out Doom is using his robots to lift the entire island of Manhattan. And because Doom is such a kind ruler, he gives his foes a choice of punishment. Throw the whole city into the sun or exile all of their kids into space. Reed reluctantly makes the choice of the kids over the city. And Reed falls to his knees while Doom laughs. To be continued. Got any thoughts before I go to issue four? Just just jump into issue four. Alrighty. So cover date is October 2007, and it was on sale August 22nd, 2007. Doom is now back in Latveria, and we see one of his bots blast through the UN Security Task Force, trying to push out, push them out of his land. He tortures Namor and has stretched Reed out like a it almost looks like he stretched his face out to look like a blanket. It is grotesque and well, body horror in its finest. I fully support Sam Raimi making a Fantastic Four movie. Uh, the kids are in the ship. Everything but a life but life support are offline, and a Doom bot is just pulling them around until support gives out or Doom finds them useful again. 
Alice is understandably freaking out, but Taurus has faith that they can get out of this, and Franklin thinks he might know a way. Meanwhile, Doom infiltrates all media and plays a message, destroy, uh, basically showing him destroying the UN and asks, and and then demands peace via total obedience by threatening every major landmark in the world. Yes, that's totally benevolent and just and not petty at all, Doom. Really cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> My favorite part is I graciously await their response. Like, he, it, it's it's i mean it's it's narcissism and it's finest but it, it it's definitely giving me that um you know the gaslighty douchebag vibes like yeah Doom would be a gaslighting douchebag yeah he, he is he is one of the paul brothers for sure yeah you're welcome for that China fires, <laughs> China fires nuclear weapons on Latveria, not wanting to stand down to an obvious threat. The bots destroy the weapons, then destroys China to make sure the example is set. So yeah, really great leadership there, you dictator. See what I did there? <laughs> Meanwhile, as the kids are whisked away towards the cosmic storm area, where their parents got their powers. Franklin thinks if he was to absorb the powers from the cosmic rays, he can power himself enough to at least get the drop on their robot babysitter. Alice is very concerned by this idea, and even though Jake and Taurus are hesitant of this idea, they do as their de facto leader says and helps him. They take the protective pieces out of a room and leave to let Franklin absorb the rays. And Jake has to hold Alice back when they start hearing Franklin's screams. And we see Franklin turning into this bright yellow gold light. Back in Latveria, we see that Doom has used Reed's body to wrap around the other members of the Fantastic Family, using Reed's body as a prison. If they try to break free, they would knowingly be severely harming Mr. Fantastic. He holds Susan by her hand, along with Kristoff who it, and tell me if I'm wrong because he shows back up with his clothes later but isn't he just like in his mask and underwear yes okay <laughs> yeah just, yeah he's he's in his boxers and his mask I have questions <laughs> I have no questions I can't stand you <laughs> and it's just Kristoff He's wearing the, he was wearing the Fantastic Five suit, <coughs> and he just cannot stand it. So he has to be. I, I, just, I, I just needed like, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. Like, You're not helping. Was, okay, okay. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so he's holding Susan by her hands along with Kristoff, who's been stripped of everything but his mask and underwear. And Susan begs for Doom to let her kids go, but Doom refuses and then hits Kristoff for trying to manipulate him into giving in to Susan's request because literally Kristoff was like, just let her have her kids and go, man. You know, as he's hung up by his hands in nothing but his underwear. Um, so after the storm, the cosmic ray storm, the kids go back to 
check on Franklin and see him on the floor in obvious pain. Gold light is surrounding him. Franklin isn't sure if he's safe to be around, but he he can feel that he's changed and he knows that he needs, even if it might be temporary, like Alice hopes, they need to get the ball rolling. Franklin tests out his powers, seeing if he's been supercharged enough to reach the robot outside and tear him apart. Franklin's head turning into a skull as he does this. The robot senses something is amiss before it blows up, and Franklin succeeded. But he's now feeling very nauseous and has a killer migraine. Jake offers to check everything online to make sure everything's back online and asks Franklin to please sit down and rest. Doom has the U.S. cornered and the U.S. agrees to surrender, something that excites Doom and Reed reminds Doom that he can never be satisfied until he humbles Reed, which is something he will never be able to do to be continued. All right. Got anything to say before we move on? Nope. Ready to um, wrap. Let's, let's conclude this miniseries. Fantastic Five, number five. Cover date is November 2007. It was on sale September 12th, 2007. Obviously, the title is part five. So, Reed and Namor start to kind of tag team Doom about his ego, causing Doom to leave and walk. I wrote a Sentinel, but it's a Doom. It's the normal Doom bots. Speaking of which, they have like huge statues of in the queue at uh, Doom's Fearfall, and they're great. Anyway, um, the the original Doom bots uh, who are coming to tell him of reports of disturbances in the city. Doom says he has far more pressing concerns, and to not concern him with this. So naturally, we cut to these disturbances and see a very sculled out Franklin and his team making quick work of the Doom bots as they head to the castle. Taurus is pretty jealous of Franklin's supercharged powers, and Alice reminds Taurus that we don't know what consequences might happen to Franklin for doing this. Jake reminds them that them all that they'd still be in space if Franklin hadn't risked his life, and he appreciates the possible sacrifice that Franklin gave for this. He's a real hero in Jake's book. Taurus agrees, saying that they should make their own team. But Alice isn't so sure. This adventure is proving to be more than she bargained for, and she just wants to move back with her mother in L.A. and stick to mall crawling over playing the hero. Franklin asks his teammates to table this discussion so they can rescue their parents and save the world. In Washington, D.C., the president is talking to mainframe Vision and Tony Stark in secret of sorts, as clearly the surrender was a ploy. Or rather, it was basically to buy the U.S. some time to maybe find a weapon to take Doom down. Not that Stark or mainframe have a ton of ideas in that department, at least considering the time frame that they have. Doom is in deep contemplative thought about what Reed said and decides frustratingly after he breaks a piece of his own um, castle to play Reed's game. He sets everyone free and Sue blasts one of the Doom bots to, or was it a Doom bot? Yeah. 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 Doom bot to bits. The team sees how Reed has been snaked through the castle and make a plan to take out the rest of the robots. And as Ben says, that they will have to go without him since he can barely stand without his armor, Lyja turns into some scroll armor and wraps herself around Ben's wounds, which that, if that ain't family, I don't know what is. 
Doom frees Reed and decides that he'll let the Infinity device that he's made determine who possesses the greater brain power and it's programmed to transport the loser's mind to the crossroads of Infinity. An endless trip through time and space. Namor begs Reed not to play the game that Doom must have rigged the device already, but according to Doom, Reed has no choice because if Reed doesn't play, his teammates will be immediately executed. The team in the castle start beating up the Doom bots, clearing a path to the main computer. But Kristoff advises them that they need to go to the hidden one on the lower level, and he leads the way. Uh, he's also clothed at this point. He found his clothes. Thank so God. Um, he's not running around in his underwear this whole time. Um, as one of the bots informs the cosmic Doom bots about the castle being under attack, 30 Doom cosmic cosmic books uh 30 doom cosmic bots starts to immediately head back ready to fire and protect their home base the kids see the backup go to the castle heading to it meanwhile we see doom and reed mentally plugging into the machine with reed being able to see doom's intimate thoughts which reed needs to spill to be honest uh doom's ego trip is too much for me so <laughs> reed should just like let that fly uh, the team in the castle are trying to get the computer to work as the Doombots close in fast. Sue uses a force field to protect the team. It's getting to the wire when Kristoff can com can complete shutting down the failsafe, and we see the Doombots surrounding Reed and Doom collapse as Doom has made sure that they would blast Reed if he was to start winning. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., and assuming everywhere else in the world, the Doombots have all shut down, not just at the castle, and Tony warns not to use the robots or try to clone or replicate anything Doom has made. Trust him on this. We cut back to Reed and Doom, who, the, through using the box, are seeing each other's thoughts, and Doom is seeing Reed's life and growing angrier and more spiteful, where Reed finds sympathy and compassion towards Doom, which seems to infuriate Doom quite a bit. Reed offers to work together to save them both, but Doom refuses, and the box explodes in electricity. An instant later, both teams find Reed and Doom deathly still, and the box gone. They free Namor, and he explains that he saw during the Infinity Box duel that he thinks that Reed sacrificed himself to save Doom, both now in a can catatonic state while their mental selves are presumably on a trip through all of space and time. A few weeks later, Franklin is talking to Kristoff and Sue via video chat. They are searching for more of Doom's weapons, uh, like caches, in Latveria. And plus, Sue doesn't want to leave Reed, it, especially in the state that he's in. Uh, his body and Doom's remain quite strong, even though they are in a essential coma. Sue asks Franklin how he's doing. We see Franklin's new costume, a full body suit with a metal mask and a thin eye like slit area that is just e like irradiating gold light. Franklin advises he is adjusting to these changes, but not to worry. He's confident that Kristoff can eventually find a cure for him. Franklin thinks to himself after the call, he might put on a brave face for his family, but he's still reeling from these events. He's now a radioactive freak and keeps losing a parent. But Johnny checks on him, and we find out that Alice did leave with Susan, hanging up her superhero costume for a more mall-friendly one. 
She only ever did this for her twin brother to begin with. Franklin asks if Johnny is still planning on branching out with a team of his own, and Johnny tells his nephew that he would have never really left the Fantastic Five. It's family. They, they, he might butt heads with his brother-in-law, but he'd give anything to have him back the way he was. Franklin asks what the team is supposed to do now after they after all the lo losses that they've suffered. Johnny tells tells Franklin that they will do what they always do. Suck it up and continue to protect the world because they're the Fantastic Five with a little Taurus in the background sign saying you can't wait until they're the Fantastic Six. The end for now. Yeah, so uh, the only extras that you get are the covers, uh, the, the actual sketch covers Yeah. of the, uh, uh, of the, which I actually like better than the, uh, than the color covers. Yeah. Personally, it's not that I don't dislike the colors. It just, I feel like the pencils really pop. So, mm -hmm. um, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, your, your, uh, the, the doom when he says the final doom. Yeah. Um, that it would be, you know, they singing it to the final, to the tune of the final countdown. And I mean, if anybody has Europe on speed dial, it'd be doom. Doom requires your need for epic background music. My head cannon is now officially accepting this as part of the national budget for love area. Um, I really liked the opening issue. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, really, it was a strong opening. I just really liked the opening salvo with with Namor and Namor acts in this mini, not like the arrogant prick that he normally can be. Um, the, the the compassion that he shows Reed and towards the end of the story is something that you don't often see with Namor. So I really appreciated that character bit because even though that they have been you know sworn enemies at, at you know he's he's very much an anti-hero and you'll uh, and, and the world at large is going to get to meet him in, in the new black panther movie uh coming out later this year so i i'm you know i just really like doom doom is one of those villains that i just really have always had a bit of a fondness for and He's very one note. He's very one note. He's very melodramatic, but I love it. It's just, it's, and, and, you know, he just, his arrogance will always be his undoing. Well, his arrogance gets on my last nerves, but <laughs> that's, that's a part of what makes Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom. Yes. Um, I mean, honestly, that's one reason why, and I, the, the actor's name is escaping me, but the Mc guy that played Cole Uncharmed, Julian McMahon. Yes, that's a, that's to me. That's why he was like the perfect Doom. Oh yeah, because I mean he he was uh, listen, he was not the problem. In fact, I felt like he None was. The actors were the problem, <laughs> and I I will defend those movies because for the time they were great. Oh, absolutely. Like and honestly, they're still great. They're st like go watch them. They are full on camp. But when you watch them as camp, yeah, look, um, I felt like the casting of that film was great. I'm telling you the most important MCU casting is going to be of the Fantastic Four. Um, 
because I don't think John Krasinski is Reed. I, I just think that was like a fun nod. Oh, I don't... No, I think that was a joke. And I'm glad it was a joke. I wouldn't mind um, Krasinski actually directing it. Although I actually really, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, you almost need a Sam Raimi. You need a horror. You need a little camp when it comes to Fantastic Four, which I feel like is the main concern I have. I am fascinated at how they're going to integrate the FF. Yeah. Because of that, I'm really, you know, look, I've always, this is one of, I I really enjoy this miniseries because I just love the way that this, this miniseries was written. Well, it, it harks back to a time where the voice of the Fantastic Four like it's writers who for better or worse, regardless if you like their run or not in actual 616 Fantastic Four, um, this harkens back to a, a very, cause it, it's the whole classic vibe of it, but it harkens back to like where the main focus of the Fantastic Four was family. They are family. And I feel like that's been lost. Um, I'm not putting that on Mr. Slot. Because I don't think that that's, I think that that was lost before him. You know, I have not read his. his, I haven't haven't read his run either. And that's what I'm saying is like, I can't judge it beyond what I've seen, like the little bits I've seen. And so it's it's hard to kind of come back to that. That like, that's also a whole other discussion on me feeling like Marvel's kind of lost. They've lost the plot when it comes to look. But a lot of it's not just it's it's a lot, mm-hmm. and it's because you can't always make something new after you know without winding up just taking everything away. They've got to bring in somebody like a Spencer to come mm-hmm. in. And say, okay, I have a reverence for these characters, and I think that slot. I I, I kind of did feel that he was pride i think he was probably of everybody that i had seen in terms of the modern writers um was probably the most uh, was the one that made the most sense to me because Uh how he wrote my some of my favorite slot issues are the ones that involve the fantastic four yeah and and i felt like he wrote them really well when he had him in, in Spider-Man books. So I kind of felt like, okay, that was, that's like, to me, the fantastic four and Spider-Man are his forte. I don't, and, and it, it, I'm not saying he can't I, write other things, but I, I think that's like his very much. Yeah. We'll, we'll obviously like, we'll touch base on my gripes. Cause mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with, I don't know. Like my thing with with Slot has always been how he writes women. Mm-hmm. That has not changed. That will not change. Um, yeah. That, well, I would like it to change, but I don't think it's going to change. Um, just from his attitude on how he takes that criticism. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to it yep. in That's this a um, big episode. <laughs> but in 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 any case. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the thing that makes us so special is it's family. Like, literally, we have way more than five 
team members here. <laughs> oh, look, uh, we have like we have like ten, I think, maybe. Because yeah. we've got we got Jake, we got Alice, we got their mother Susan, we've got just on the we've first, Finn, we've got Franklin, we've got Sue yeah. and and Reed and Taurus and Lija and Johnny. That's a lot. Uh, and Kristoff. Kristoff is there too. Uh, and he's very clearly a member of the family in, in his own way. And so that's kind of this, you, you have this big, crazy family. And it very much is the part of the Hickman run that I think that a lot of people liked was it being the future foundation and being the family, right? Yeah. And you have all the kids and, and they're training the next generation of, of superheroes in a lot of ways. And so I think that that prototype definitely, definitely was set up here in the way they did it with MC2. And, and, and obviously the DeFalco run, Fantastic Five is what if, you know, Paul Ryan and Tom DeFalco's run continued. Yeah. You know, it's very much the spiritual successor to it. And I mean, he was the artist also on the first five issues of of the other the other what well, ultimately became a miniseries. Um, but definitely, you can definitely, especially if you're and you're following along in Spider Girl, this really, really, really works with these other stories. The Lost in Space story we brought back Sue and Reed. Um, you know, they didn't get a chance to really have the impact in the because it was such a big event with the last hero and last planet. Yeah, you don't really you don't really get a, a good feel of Jake and Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to me, it's it's funny because the way that they read here is almost like, oh, you should know who they are and, you know, their personalities. And the thing is, is like we have a little bit, mm-hmm. but we never got like enough. Um we got more Taurus than anybody else. Oh yeah. Well that's I mean just yeah. his character in general. Like if he's not the most bombastic uh salesman, like he is the hype man. Uh so you know, if he's if he's not out there, like especially because again, most of what we know comes from May's point of view. Right. Uh she's probably only really met at like hung out with Alice and Jake one time. Because the last time we saw them in Last Planet Standing, and even in Last Hero Standing, because I believe they're, are, are they in there too? I can't remember. Yes. 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 So the thing is, is that though, you know, they're busy fighting very powerful beings uh, with everybody else and kind of lost in shuffles. So we don't get to see them have moments. So when we see them here, yes, this is written through a different perspective. May's nowhere in this mini series. Mm-hmm. So these are people that have lived with the twins. They've known the twins all their lives. And so there's almost this set of like, you know, we get the feelings that Jake is a chip off the old block. You know, he's very, although he's a lot chippy, like he's, he's very happy, uh, you know, very sure of himself. Cause Ben, Ben and Susan have done a great job with them, you know, and, being a very positive, upbeat, kind of happy-go-lucky kind of dude. Very chill. I think he'd get along with uh, J2 really great. And now I wish I could see Zane and Jake hang out, play video games. <laughs> they they would sit 
can you imagine them doing boxing matches? Like no, no, because what they do is they'd sit on. They would be sitting in like someone's living room playing um, Call of Duty. Maybe Call of Duty. I would say like Halo, like Nintendo, like Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. Super Bros. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but yeah, so like you know, that's I I don't know. I get the feel of like they'd be super bros, um, and they really friends. They'd be they'd be super positive bros, which is great. They you, have a lot of fun. yeah, you can definitely see the influence of Ben mm-hmm. because he Ben. It's funny because the dichotomy between what you see with Jake in terms of his dialogue and what you see with Ben with his inner monologue is Ben still sees himself as a monster. Jake is like, I am, I'm, I'm me. I am who I am. He accepts who he is. Like his mom's like, I think you got taller. And he's like, really cool. Like he's excited. And it's really, it's it's, it's fascinating to see. Well, it it ties on to like, so, you know, Alice keeps asking, like, did you like asking Franklin, did you really like not think about other things you could do? Because Franklin just like, he accepted that this is this was going to be his life and so he didn't think of anything else i think that jake had a similar mindset we know taurus has a similar mindset mm-hmm. uh alice is really like the only one out of the kids that really went okay i don't have any other choice i mean i i don't know christoph 616 backstory like i don't remember him as a kid because again i didn't super read that era this is um, I had Josh on speed dial and be like, Hey, give me a, give me an up. Cause like he's he, one thing I'll say about Josh. He, he, he deep dove into Spider-Man and fantastic four. And so he can tell you the whole thing with Christoph. Cause it's a, it's yeah. a whole saga. Oh no, no, it is. It's a whole thing. So it's like, you know, Christoph, cause he's a little bit older than them mm-hmm. or a good bit older than them. Honestly. Uh, you know, he's, even though he's kind of on their side, it's, you know, we, we know that he's kind of accepted this. Alice is very hesitant. Alice only did this because she wants to make sure her brother, you know, is confident and sure of himself and make sure that her brother is going to be okay. Cause she's very protective of him and his, you know, just that's, you know, that's her brother. And she knows that she can kind of get away with not having, she doesn't have to put on the suit. She doesn't have to use her powers. She can walk away. And is this really for her versus, you know, Jake is very like, look, I look like this. There's nothing else for me. So I'm, I'm going to be the best I can be. And destiny type thing. And and you see that with definitely with Franklin and him. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely that with them. Um, so, you know, like for my notes, like I literally wrote, like, this is just a seriously rich story for what almost winds up being like, honestly, for the most part, winds up being a send off to the Fantastic Five. Mm-hmm. We really don't touch base with them ever. Like we, we see them in bits and pieces, but we don't really touch base. Like we don't get a lost in space story again. Which is-, this is this is it, you yeah. know? It, Spider Amazing Spider Girl kind of hyper focuses. Well, I mean, that's what they were. I'm oh. on the dichotomy of I love this world, so I will never say no. But I can also stand 
especially just from a perspective. If the title says Spider Girl, it should probably focus on Spider Girl. Right. And this was this universe is slowly, especially during the time that Marvel is dealing with at this time in 2007, they're having to make some cuts. And unfortunately, Spider Girl is the, I mean, or not unfortunately, obviously, we love Spider Girl, but in terms of the worldview, Spider Girl is the flagship. Fantastic Five is not. No, no. Not and by a long shot. <laughs> because now it's no longer an imprint. Yeah. You know, you know those other stories the, towards the end of volume one kind of were made to tie up those loose ends for the for those fans that read the, that early part of the MC2. But really, it's here and it's Avengers Next where it's no secret that there wasn't ever a Wild Thing miniseries again. It's no secret that there wasn't another... Um, Look, uh, I stand by my statement. Wild Thing should have never had a series. Yeah, I, I still... I. To me, I would much had a, rather had a Stinger series because. Yeah. Did, did you see the costume? Oh yeah, but I mean, okay. When it comes to the Ant Man movies, that's just like MC two references all day long. I don't know why. Makes well, I mean, I sort of know what, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense. But like, I'm here for it because we got to hope. I got hope is not hope. Um. I get it. Unless, I, unless, unless we're dealing with multiverse, since this is a part of the multiverse saga, and we see the Red Queen. That'd be fun. Anyway, uh, I mean, obviously, would it be our our Red Queen? It wouldn't be. It'd be Aver. our stuff exactly, but that would be a lot of fun. Um, that would be fun. Kevin Feige, if you're listening, please. Thank you. Bye. Um, but yeah, no, like in terms of Fantastic Five, you know, we'll see them briefly going forward, especially in the next story, uh, I believe, but we'll never really get the closure that this is kind of, this kind of give, because like this doesn't give us closure. Like it feels like it's setting up other stories that we just never really got. It's interesting because this is definitely a thing with Marvel. Mm hmm especially when you see these miniseries like written by DeFalco and written by DeMatteis and stuff like that. And like Peter David's symbiote Spider-Man is a classic example of they write this self-contained miniseries, but they leave just enough that it can be picked up upon at a later date. Yeah. It's just, we're not, um, unless, you know, edge, unless we get some kind of spider girl mini or one shot, in this edge of Spider-Verse, end of Spider-Verse thing going on, we're probably never going to see what happens to Franklin. And if he gets a cure or if he becomes the new, uh, oh God. Um, Psylord. Um, no, well, he is Psylord, but uh, I'm talking about like, cause the skull. Oh, um, is it really bad because I'm blanking? Because it's a little late that my brain is just going Nick Cage. Ghostwriter. Yeah, Ghostwriter. Thank you. Yeah. You know, because he, he definitely is giving Ghostwriter vibes there. Um, You know, so we never really touched base on that. Because that, that is a major thing for Franklin, too. Because think about how many 
times. So, you know, in this, and like, I'll kind of go into like the main thing here, because we're kind of nitpicking, but like, I'm going to go deep dive on this since we really won't touch this again. Yeah. Think about all the times where we've been told how cute he is and how much of a heartthrob he is and how everybody's got these little posters, including May of Franklin. Like he is like the, uh, at least the times when we were getting that, he was like the young Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, I've, we've talked about face, you know, like actors or something we'd like to see play them. Like I've been using Lucas Till, who is our MacGyver slash uh, angel in the X-Men movies that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like I said, like he's a cute, very attractive young man who even though he probably isn't necessarily super upset about his looks he does now have this serious change something that you know ben would understand that that helmet is also very similar to the helmet that ben wore whenever he got his face clawed uh, during secret wars too yeah not the first one first yeah but it's, it's similar to that as well like it probably honestly could be that helmet in a certain degree certain fashion um you know it's there's there's a lot there with franklin like he this has fundamentally changed him as a person and this is what i want to talk about because like when we go to the next and we'll talk about a little bit next time Mm -hmm. um because we'll see him but like the change in attitude is something that may picks up on immediately and she she doesn't know why we get to see it here Mm-hmm. And we get to sympathize with him here, but like we never get to see him really process all this. And then, two again, he's gone from not having really either of his parents, but knowing like the big secret that really, you know, his dad is up in space taking care of his mom, to now, you know, finally getting his parents and being happy. And now his dad is gone. He gets his mom back, but it's the monkey's paw. He gets his mom back, but then she's got to attend to her dad or his dad. Yeah, he doesn't get his parents, and that's all he's ever wanted. And now he's almost worse off for it, doing everything he could to save them. But that, like I said, that goes into the major point here. So, like, you know, the MC2 has now lost Reed which is also a huge major thing for Marvel Comics, period. Any universe that loses Reed generally has a bad time. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the last Secret Wars mini. You didn't have Reed in there, and Doom ran amok. And yeah, I mean, well, even, even like if you're just a casual fan, mm-hmm. think about all the gasps and screams <laughs> from... <laughs> from um, Doctor Strange, when uh, Wanda um, killed him. (laughs) Made him into salami? Uh, I mean, I saw it as spaghetti, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Honestly, probably my favorite part about it. But that's because I have a love-hate relationship with 616 Reed. 616 Reed is both... He's my favorite uh, jerk face, and he's a great character, but he's also an oblivious j- jackass. He is, yes, no, like he is. 
it's it's fine though it's fun like so again i enjoyed the scene um but anyway so again mc2 has lost reed you know sacrificing his mind to not only save the world but also to attempt to save doom from his own hubris we see franklin who really you know is one of the most selfless heroes i think that we've seen ever in a comic because every single time we've seen franklin up to this point what has he done except jump to help everybody even if he's like kind of being a little bit of a brat about a next he still runs in to help them like he he will drop whatever he can to do what he can integrity runs in his veins he's gonna do the right thing 100 percent of the time even when nobody's looking he fundamentally like that is a fundamental part of this version of franklin richards he which is not the case in any (laughs) yeah i mean because well here's the thing i mean franklin becomes this deuce ex machina yeah after the falco leaves fantastic four and then the whole onslaught thing happens and then you have the you know the image imagization of of the ff and the avengers which again when i tell people that like when i tell modern people that at one point marvel didn't believe in the avengers so much that they basically gave it to image to reimagine the avengers people look at me like i have three heads well i mean that's just because nobody fully understands right the wacky world of comics um unless you have been a fan and been through the trenches (laughs) Um, when i tell people like i'm a fan of uh you know on like social media profiles i have i have put the phrase i'm a giant fan of marvel i have been a giant fan of marvel probably a lot longer than you have marvel marvel has given me trust issues and i feel like you're not a true comic fan until uh marvel gives you trust issues I, I feel like literally I think that that's a badge of honor like when you have to discuss your trust issues with a therapist and bring up something Marvel Comics did to you as a child <laughs> <laughs> and I mean look I'm not you know I'm not the one that's going to be like going up to like comic creators and ranting about oh one my God you know what my should be i i know you will <laughs> at the same time i'm also like um i understand that th- 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 this is the great thing about mc2 versus 616 mc2 and mcu have a very clear direction by one person that the buck stops with I think creatively what I'm it's more so in, in MC2 than with yeah, it's so the thing with MCU is that there is a supposed to be a team that is making sure everything connects appropriately mm-hmm. very much like a kind of like what the MC2 feels like and what the MC2 was supposed to replicate right. from the heyday of Marvel 
which mm-hmm. is what everybody's kind of almost talking to each other and kind of knows what's happening in the universe at the same time. Uh, right. That bolt, that the bullpen, right? Yeah, the Marvel yeah. bullpen. Yeah. So the bull. So again, that's kind of the this vibe. Which the thing with the MC two, it's because it was honestly like a, you know, we've talked about this. There's not that many. That clearly nothing changes the entire time that we read this. Pretty much, you know, we've got a handful of writers, depending on what side story is going on, what mini series, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it it's very col- it's very collaborative. It feels like, um, you know, and from what I under you know what we understand, but too it was, you know, it it, it really was just a team of people. Versus at this time in Marvel and even now in Marvel, it's a very vast number of people and you kind of can't expect everybody to all, I mean, that's at this point, the editor's job. So take a fine tune hand. Uh, We could go into that all day too. Oh, I I had a very illuminating interview uh, with Chris Denman on Radio Horror. We did kind of a collab thing. He brought me on with the artist that did the Morbius series. He also did a few issues of like the Spencer run. And like, it was very illuminating the questions that I asked about specifically his time with Spencer mm-hmm. and how he didn't even deal with Nick Spencer. He was dealing yeah. almost exclusively with Nick Lowe. And so, because he was being brought in to like draw pages and everything was so chaotic. I, at the time. I'm aware of how it works now. Yeah, like, for most for most people, I'll put it that way because I don't think that it's. It really depends on the book. It really depends on the team, still to a degree. But it, I I I, I kind of know how it's currently running. Um, but again, that's I don't think that that's how this was run, and I think that that's where we're seeing a lot of these pros. Not to say that there probably isn't some cons, because always, but still. Um, I- but yeah, you know. Like I was trying to say before we like derailed again, Sorry. somebody needs, uh, I guess Vinkman needs to like come back with a derailment counter <laughs> for this issue or this episode, but that's fine. Like we're having fun. I think we're having a good conversation. That's- yeah. It's a good conversation. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, the thing about this book overall, um, what I really wanted to say on it is, you know, again, we see Franklin, who is one of the most selfless heroes that I've ever read in a comic, um, do what is necessary to save his team and get them home so they, they can save their parents. And he does so valiantly. But now he has lasting com- consequences for doing what was necessary. And even then, he's kind of lucky compared to his father doing almost the exact same thing to save a man who has shown nothing but contempt and evilness towards him and his family. This story gives us great examples in showing that sometimes the right choice or the hard but best choice for the greater good can result in a sacrifice for the one making that choice. That just because it's the right choice doesn't make it easy or simple. But with great power, there must also come great responsibility, right? And sometimes we have to do the hard, painful things when it comes to that responsibility. And that's really what we've seen. We've seen it in literally, there's a, 
situation and every single issue here in the miniseries that brings us up. We just got done seeing those consequences from 100 with Lady Hawk. We're going to go into this next episode with Carnage, seeing the choices that May has to make. And those those consequences. Yes. And you know, I think that that's the thing, and that's that's something that I think a lot of people misunderstand. Um, they misunderstand that there must also come, because that's very important in that phrase, and it gets taken it gets taken out all the time. That yes. you know, just you know, great power comes great responsibility. Like, no, like you don't get responsibility because you have that power. It's because you have that power that you need to be responsible with how you use it. And even when you do everything right and you make that choice using what you have, you can still get hurt. You And it doesn't have to be physically hurt. You yourself might not get hurt. Somebody else could get hurt. And exactly. how you handle that and how you see that not so pleasant reality, like you don't just win the day. And I think that that's a lot of things people forget because that's an essence of what makes Peter Parker, Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't win, save the day and get the girl. He doesn't save the day and his aunt's cancer is magically healed or whatever. Like, you know, things, he still has to make that choice. And things will not always, you know, you can do, what is that, what is that quote uh, from Star Trek from Picard? That you can do everything right and still lose. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of, yeah, you can do everything possible right and still fail. Thank you, Neil. Um, because the thing is, is that things aren't going to always magically work out because you did the right thing. But that doesn't mean that you stop doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know who you are and you know what you must do and you you're going to help everybody else and you're going to be a productive member of society and help people. You have to be aware that sometimes making those sacrifices for the greater good or for somebody else may not help you. And I think that that's, like I said, I just, I think that that's something that is being very hit over the head here. Um, these last like three episodes we're going to talk about, but also just in these issues, but it, it, it's still an important lesson to be reminded by. And I think it, it, like I said, it harkens to a harkens to comics of old. It's a lesson that I think has kind of been forgotten in a world of instant gratification that sometimes you, you can be the good person and not get satisfaction. It's very much, the mentality that these the creators had to i mean they come in they do their work and they have a fan base that comes in and and, and they consistently um make sales and 
everybody tells them that they're supposed to fail. And yet they continue and keep and keep chugging along. And this book and this universe was the little engine that could. It never stopped going for the longest time. And we're in the heyday of the MC2 in terms of just it just kept going. And, you know, I, I can tell you, if you have not gone back and got limited, particularly done by Ron Lim and Tom DeFalco, issues three, four, five and six are incredible books of Spider-Man Unlimited you need to grab because even the first two, if you like, if you especially if you like Carnage, <laughs> um, go grab them because those are just some of the like the the Doc Ock story in issue three is one of the best Doc Ock stories of all time. I really, really liked the Thunderstrike story that they did, the Human Torch story that they did together. Um, they, they just they did a great job. Now Ron Ron Lim stayed on through the clone saga and it was written by the late Tom Lyle, which they was weren't nearly as good. Um, but I, I just highly encourage you to go back and, and, and find those, you know, in the dollar bin, the, the $2 bin or whatever at your comic shop. Uh, Cause they're, they're really good. Great team. Go get this mini series. If you don't have it, the, the trades are not a terribly expensive. The trade, the trade isn't terribly expensive. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on, um, I'll, I'll, with the link in the description. Yeah, if you if you're still finding it for sale, yeah, because uh, it's been out of print forever. But yeah, no, I mean this is an amazing miniseries, and like I said, I and I even like as you were thinking, my brain also went like, oh crap, everything I just said made total sense, especially because look at Alice, who has power, does not want for that responsibility, and that is her choice. Nobody's, you know beating her over the head for not being able to cut it. And frankly, no sacrifice. Yeah. He doesn't bat an eye. That's, that's the other thing too. Franklin has any other character in Marvel having that same conversation with somebody who is family. The natural reaction would have been to, to be like, if I, I think if she has that conversation with, with Ben or with Reed, it's an entirely different conversation. Okay, don't have that conversation with Reed. Right. No, yeah. nobody would. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't even understand. Like that's the thing. Reed, like Ben might. Reed would not even understand. That, I think that's one of the reasons why Franklin just knows what he's got to do because to Reed, this is what you do. There is no other option. There's no other choice. Mm. You know, because no. it's his mentality. Like he, he is so. Cause we can even talk about like the hubris with doom. Mm -hmm. You can tell at least the way doom is written here. It, at least to me, it, he almost was talking so boastfully and so egotistically because it was almost a self-soothing gesture to remind himself that he is meant to be in this place. He is actually meant for greatness that he is not just still like Reed saw the little boy that, fought hard to be where he was because in the end of the day he's still a very you know he was born a very poor disadvantaged Latverian child that would have not had all of the things if he hadn't worked for them 
and he knows that those can be taken away versus yeah. Reed is so confident and sure of himself, but it comes from in Reed in Doom's mind comes from, you know, privilege. And I, and to a degree in terms of Doom's thinking, it is privilege because Reed didn't, you know, Reed had a lot more, a lot more resources growing up than Doom did. But Doom and Reed's you know, relationship is to me is always of the type that of the athlete that always was gifted versus the athlete that had to literally put it, their nose to the grindstone and you they it was determination and grit that got them yeah, where they're at exactly and so it like i said you have these two coins they're still brilliantly gifted minds but one knows that one can be taken away and even though reed knows things can be taken away he also has that surety of he's got his family that's got his back and things will always work out as long as he can lean on them. Doom doesn't. Mm-hmm. And to read, because he's so type, you know, analytical to such a degree that he, again, people thought he was a computer with big brain um, that or people thought his brain was in the computer. Um, yeah, it just, you see those two sides of the coin there. Like Reed, Reed is going to do what he's going to do because he knows it's what he's, what he has to do versus some people know they have options, they have choices and they know that their choices can make, make or break what they do. Alice at the end of the day knew she could not cut it. This was too much for her. This was too stressful. This wasn't there. Just like Jake says, hey, look, I've got this. I've got nothing else I can do looking like this. So I'm going to make the best. But, you know, I'm going to make the best that I can with what I've got. And, you know, I like seeing, like I said, I brought up the, you know, with great power, there must also come great responsibility because it's one of my favorite quotes. And it's, you know, one of, you know, it's, very integral to to Spider-Man and Spider-Girl. But I like seeing all these different characters within the MC2 and how their mindset and their kind of mantra and how their character is created, how that applies. And if it does, or if there's another story that can be taught through that, because like I said, it's, we see Franklin who knows how to make the, like he's going to make that sacrifice. There is no option and it's backfired on him on that responsibility. But you know, he had that responsibility versus Alice has that power, but she doesn't want that responsibility. And that's why there must, you know, there must come has to be included in that phrase and um, hot topic thought I was crazy when I asked, um, when I had to explain that to them on a on a purse. <laughs> yes, I. I, I yeah, you, you saw. I sent you that email, right? Where I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you did, and I laughed. Yeah. If yes, yeah, so uh, I guess before we end tonight, I will explain that story just so everyone knows exactly what you're dealing with when you talk to me. 
um, there was a purse that had the quote, um, with great power comes great responsibility, but I couldn't read the full quote. So I didn't know if it was possible that it had the full quote and I got really excited. So I sent them an email, realized how weird it was. Um, just asking that because I was like, oh, God, they're going to think that I'm like some super nerd and I'm being like super gatekeepy. So I'm going to like include the screenshots so they know what I'm talking about. And they realize that like this is not super serious. And um, somehow I got called a fake nerd in it. The reply back was like, no, you're wrong on the quote. Even though I showed them the comic. Like you the comic that has the actual phrase and then the screenshot from the movie so they would understand. And they were like, no, it's the real quote. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's the classic Mandela effect. Because it's not a Mandela effect. That's no, it's okay. It's not a Mandela effect because okay. you can pull it back and you can actually see it. What happened was it got paraphrased. That's true. That's the right. The main part, I mean, it was paraphrased before the movie, but it's the movie because, let's be fair, the 2002 Sam Raimi movie is iconic in and of its own right. And the way that it's said in that movie has become like a cornerstone. Like when you quote it, it's there. I mean, and, yeah. And, and that's how it, it's going to be. But it's like I said, it's with great power comes great responsibility means, you know, you have, you know, basically means because you have this power, you have to be responsible versus there must also come, which means with great power, you know, you should use it responsibly. I mean, if you want to hear the quote from the movie, with great power comes great responsibility. There you go. So she's shaking her head in disgust. <laughs> be right i know i know um anyway but, but yeah no i mean that's it was also paraphrasing and i was about to make a john semper joke about it, it was paraphrased in the, in the 90s cartoon and he probably was going to make claim that it, oh i wrote it that way sorry john semper um <laughs> no i mean he probably you know honestly he probably did like i said it wasn't just him that paraphrased yeah. it it's been oh. paraphrased multiple times it's been paraphrased in comics like it's and I, I get it. Like, I totally get it because it is a mouthy line. But it's in the original context, I believe, is very important, at least in terms of how, you know, you look at certain characters and see how they approach their responsibility with their great power. Not everyone feels, you know, that they are, like I said, not everyone feels that they are entitled to it. Pinkman, if you if you make a bingo card, I'm gonna laugh. Um, all right, so we'll go through the comments right quick before we uh, before we head out. Uh, hello, Mister Comics eighty nine. Um, Ron Lim did uh, draw that um, EFT that yes. you were making earlier. Um, we're not. Uh, you can go back to when that first dropped. Uh, if anybody wants to know my feelings on how NFTs currently work and how that's not a stable business model. 
anyway. well now especially now with the with the contra- well, no, well what i said literally you can see now mm-hmm. yeah. well, well have disposable income you can spend your money on that type of thing but now that the the, the, the income disposable income is contracted with the economic slowdown that we're starting to experience well it's 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 also just the in the there's no safety with cryptocurrency exactly and, and there's no because because it's the wild west you're 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 reaping it's, what you it's not even it's not even the to me it's not even the wild west it is because it's unregulated but it's it was intended to be unregulated right because it was intended to scam you and then big businesses were like oh yeah because they were listening to fancy buzzwords and this is why you should actually do research and never just listen to fancy buzzwords and believe people because they have money. Fact, honestly, don't believe anyone who has money. That's like yeah. they just in general. Anyway, um, uh, Neil says, I feel like either Robbie Thompson or Zodowski are the best options for Fantastic Four before he actually wrote it. He was actually on board with slot writing it, though. And, and Galactic85, hello, a new subscriber, says, as someone who loves slots, mini thing miniseries and the Spidey Human Torch mini, but he was a perfect choice when it was when he was announced. So, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, we're not, like I said, I, no one was meaning to disparage him in any way. Exactly. Um, it was just in general, like, I do think somewhere along the way, Marvel has lost the idea that the Fantastic Four is family. True story. It's Rockefellernomics, uh, as Neil says. Um, uh, SoFlo, hello, SoFlo says, uh, it's Marvel or nothing for me, and I'm pissed at them. <laughs> so, uh, I... I are you thinking of a different Secret Wars mini? I was thinking of the latest Secret Wars mini when I said that when I was making that statement, Vinkman. So that's that's the one I was thinking about, Secret okay. Wars. 3. Yeah, but yeah. It, it is still a similar mask, and I think that that was done yeah. intentionally because, again, I would have liked to have seen something where we did have Franklin talk to Ben, or we did have Franklin really grapple with the fact that he's. I mean, in. And honestly, he literally got everything he wanted and then lost everything. And this is only what's he's probably only had his parents together for maybe seven months. Yeah, I mean, since since he was a kid, you know, or since he was younger, I mean, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he only got them back for about seven months because I think it's a six month gap uh-huh. with Mayday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a it's it's crazy. Yeah, and Vinkman did correct me. It wasn't Secret Wars two. It was it happened during the nineties with the Tavako Ryan run. I was thinking of Infinity Gauntlet. That's what I was thinking about. I mean, it, I'll put it this way: it's not like we did some severe super research um, to remember and remind ourselves there is so much history and so many things. Um, you know. I know like somebody on Twitter said that I was like an expert on Mayday and I am very touched and honored by that. Mm-hmm. But the only reason I come off like I know anything is because I literally probably read, read every issue three times before we talk about it. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't misremember. Right. And, and, and because we try to prepare as much as we do, 
I've gotten to that same point. Anytime we're covering something and I'm trying to, I'll read it, you know, used to when I first started doing the shows, even when I was on crawl space, I would read it like maybe twice, but now I try to read it three or four times before I even start doing the recap because that way I'm like, okay, as I'm writing this, I'm making sure that I'm familiarizing with myself with it. I'm going page by and we're going, we try to be very meticulous because people like to follow along with us as you've said in the past. And so by doing that, we dive in and, and when I get things wrong, Kelly will correct me and that's great. (laughs) But, um, you know, that's just, yeah, we, we try really hard. I hate the term fake fans because I think it's just, it's just such a dismissive and term. Yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody, I wouldn't ever call anyone like a fake fan. Everyone started somewhere different. And like, I mean, again, off air before we recorded tonight, you know, I, I had mentioned how the next episode that we cover, cause we're covering May's introduction and carnage. That was that trade paperback is a lot of people's first time reading Mayday um, because that was kind of the first, one of the first trade paperbacks people saw in Barnes and Noble. And, you know, I remember, I distinctly remember it being at Barnes and Noble propped up. I, I remember the trade paperback and I'm talking about like, it was probably 2010 by the time I saw that last time I saw that paperback on sale and it was on sale at Islands of Adventure. Like, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And are you frozen, Zach? No, I'm here. No, you were like really still. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, crap. Um, But yeah, no, like, I mean, I saw it at Islands of Adventure. Like it was mass produced because mostly people saw Carnage on the cover. Um, But that was an introduction. And, you know, a lot of people wind up going some, some people find that story and then go backwards or some people just continue it from there. And no matter where you start, or if you know, like right now, most people that know Mayday, especially, you know, when they're in their early twenties, first saw her through Spider-Verse, you know, through the, those comics and they know absolutely nothing of this, but if they have a chance to run by a podcast and hear us talking about it. This can make it easier. This can make it easier for people who don't have access to a particular issue um, or they're just starting into comics. Like we don't ever want to make someone feel like they're, they don't belong just because, you know, they, whether they started yesterday or they started reading 10 years ago, that's not ever the intention here. Um, Things that we that we talked about Kelly and I and the team here at Spidey do in general, when we started doing our relaunch in 2020, when we went into what I call the second phase of the Spidey dude radio network, one of the things that we really stressed and talked about a lot was making sure that we weren't gatekeepers for our favorite characters, that we were educating people on why we like the characters so much but not doing it in a way that says that, well, we know more than you do. 
for those that are audio listeners, I'm kind of making like a ridiculous, you know, stomping my feet type thing motion on on the camera. But we don't want to be gatekeepers. We want we want to be as inclusive as possible and and bring bring people along the journey with us, especially with this show and even even with Spidey Experience too. And I just feel like that we've really tried really hard to do that. And you're right. I remember these trades were a big deal for the community. The first trade and this trade, especially because it really was the first time that we got to see in a full sized format, spider girl get collected starting with the amazing run. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I think that was the second one and it, they almost came out simultaneously was whatever happened to the daughter of Spider-Man and here comes the carnage and they were almost released back to back. But what I remember, and I mean, it was for years and maybe it's just cause it didn't really sell or maybe a lot of people, maybe it sold out immediately and then like a second run came in, but it was on the shelf for years. Yeah. Like you could pick it up and buy it. And it was a lot of people's first time reading spider girl in those kinds of trade paperbacks. And so again, it's going to be a very important episode and a big episode. And it kind of ties into like (laughs) our last little bit here, which is um, we're going to focus on it. We do want to have a major turnout. We want to see a lot of people kind of hopefully come in and talk to us because I know it's a big issue. I know it's very important to me. It's one of my favorite stories. And it's one of my favorite stories because again, it touches base on exactly what we talked about here. What we touched base on in the issue with the Lady Hawks last episode. Um, it's all about choices you make have lasting consequences. And, you know, you have to, y- y- there's t- times you're going to have to make really hard choices and really hard sacrifices and what that means. You know, things don't just go back to hunky-dory. The hero doesn't always win in you, the way that you think they do. Yeah, and that's life, too. I mean, it, it is. It's life. And, you know, again, like I said, like in a world of instant gratification, I think we've really lost sight on some reality. And I, I know I'm saying that about a comic book featuring someone with spider powers. Um, but you know, that's to me, that's why I love these stories. Yeah. That's why I love, you know, what Marvel is supposed to bring to the table, what DC is supposed to bring to the table. The reason we identify with these superheroes is even though it's fictional and that they can do really, you know, fantastic powers that, you know, we don't have in real life, the stories that they tell are meaningful. The personalities you see and meet in these stories by these characters feel real and human and genuine. And, you know, obviously that is a testament to Tom DeFalco's writing and the whole team really in build work, like world building. Yes. Again, this is the last time we see these characters mainly. And, you know, it doesn't feel like we had a proper send off with them. Like, we don't really get to say goodbye. But at the same time, this wraps everything up pretty nicely, even though everything is irrecoverably changed after the happy ending we got in Spider-Girl with Lost in Space. 
Yes. So if you want to know what issues we're covering, we're going to be covering issues 9, 10, 11, and 12. Of Bring back the 11 cover. It's my favorite. Yeah. So the uh, homage covers. Oh, uh, 11. Oh, the 11? 11. 11. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. People don't all know this cover, but it is freaking gory and fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> couple of uh, definite homages if you're a longtime fan of carnage definitely with uh 12 and 9 so uh, we'll be definitely yeah that carnage is here it is a big 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 set of four issues that we'll be covering on the next episode so. yeah so um you know at, in those issues you know old friends come back and may faces a foe of her father's that just can't be met with reason aka carnage um you know right. and hard choices with serious consequences will be made and like i said I, my big thing is to record that before my little birthday break in september and you know we'll set the date later so everyone knows since we're kind of already in august and i want to make sure that we have our date set that we have time to plan mm -hmm. um because i i really think that it's gonna be a major uh major recording that everybody will want to to hang out and chip in and speaking of which which is part of your outro um but you know feel free to send us an email drop us a line send us a voicemail if you want to be featured on the carnage issue our yeah. episode as uh, as I usually say, uh, the phone number, of course, is 818-925-6631. We'll, wrap the we'll begin to wrap the show up there. 818-925-6631. Uh, it is the phone number for the entire Spidey Radio Network. So let us know what show you're calling about. You can leave us an email at makemymayday.gmail.com or Network at gmail.com. You can uh, also follow our Discord. The link is down in the description below. Uh, I'll be sure to include the links to not only this, but also um, you can follow us on Spotify and stuff like that. Like us on Spotify, like us and give us a review also on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Spidey Dude Network, uh, Twitter at Spidey Dude Radio. You can follow me there. You can follow Kelly on Twitter at Make Mind Mayday. Uh, the YouTube page, if you're not watching us on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash Spidey Dude Radio Network. Instagram, is the same as the Facebook page of Instagram.com slash Spidey Network. You can also follow Kelly at KMcDaniel28 on Instagram. Uh, Kelly, do you still have TikTok? I mean, I do. I just haven't been on it. No. <laughs> I, I need I need more content. People give me ideas um, to to do duets with and stuff, I guess, really. Because like, I just don't have – I've ran out of things to do for Mayday. Well, there you go. Follow follow her on Make My Mayday and comment on her the existing ideas for to, for who to who to duet with, and um, definitely would love to see other Spider Girl or MC Two characters. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, I also have TikTok at Spider Network as well. Um, usually, going to be me hyping up the various shows. Um, I am not uh, savvy with the TikToks, so uh, just bear with me. Um, Bankman says, fantastic show as always. Please take care of yourselves, and we'll see you guys next time. With that, ladies and gentlemen, 
Thank you for watching. Once again, I want to mention our Patreons before we leave. Uh, thank you again to Vinkman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, and Kale. Thank you guys for your support. You can support us on patreon.com slash Radio Network. Thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to you that are watching and listening, giving us a like and a share or subscribe. And we will definitely see you next time here on Make My Mayday. Um, where we're going to be covering the carnage arc. I'm really, really excited about it. And of course you can always find our other great shows such as Spidey dude experience here on the channel as well. we got a, uh, coming up soon. We'll have a video essay about Ben Riley coming very soon. We also have a, uh, unboxing of the hot toys, um, new hot toy, hot toys, Spider-Man from the PS4 game. So that's, that's a fun little thing that uh, Javi's put together for you guys. And, all so much more uh, here on the Spider Radio. Also, check out the finale of Clone Saga Chronicles. It was a really emotional one. Um, you can always check out our other shows, such as this one uh, and uh, Spectacular Radio and Voices from the Eerie. Uh, cannot wait for you guys to uh, hear in September um, Brent Spiner so, uh, from Star Trek. I'm really, really excited about that episode. Continue listening to that and continue supporting that and all the shows here on the Spidey Radio Network, including Amazing Spider-Man Classics as well. Thanks again for watching. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. You're on Spidey Radio Network.